0: Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Strength in the Numbers. Now, are you really proving your full value as an accountant? I mean, because there's two types of people this question applies to. I mean, the first are those who are worried that automation is going to continue to displace their current roles and then there are those who want to practically know how we can be creating and capturing even more value for our organisations we serve. So in today's episode guest mentor Elizabeth Hale and I deconstruct and go through a number of real examples on how we can continually prove our values accountants and as finance professionals and we also go into a number of other areas such as why a career in finance and accounting can be a wild ride and Elizabeth shares some funny stories as to why that's the case also five main things business owners are really looking for from their accountants also how we can become from a practical perspective more like a business partner or a financial mentor that they're looking for and then how to adopt a solution and continual improvement or proving our value mindset to help drive their businesses forward and therefore our success forward too so look if you enjoyed this episode please check out the show notes the key quotes and the resources that have been mentioned on the show at sitn com slash podcast slash 118 and also let your friends and your colleagues know about it. There might be that key bit of advice that might really help them in their careers and also help them add even more value for their organisations and clients they serve. Look, really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to Elizabeth and the show. Well, I...
1: Um... My mother always used to say, when I was about eight years old, I was flipping through help wanted (laughs) ads, and I saw an accounting position, I'm like, I could do that. So I knew early on, like, I really liked numbers, Um, but for a while there in college, I majored in English and philosophy, because I really like writing. I was really into philosophy too, Um, but then switched to an accounting major because I really wasn't a school person. I didn't really love school, Um, but I love working and doing, so I'm pretty active, and um, this has been an amazing profession for me to be in. I get to work with lots of different people that are creating businesses and have different creative skills and uh, different Perspectives and insights, and on the world and business in general, and it's been an amazing experience. I feel like every day is a brand new day. Um, Someone, you know, comes at you with something fresh or different, and so you know, there's a lot of challenges. And it's in working in public accounting too. um, You know, you're managing a lot of different customer demands, and unfortunately, not everyone, you know. It doesn't happen in queue, so it's not like, oh, okay, so we have this person selling their business today, and then next week, you know, it's usually everything all at once or nothing at all, so um, it's, it's definitely a wild ride.
0: A wild ride, that's interesting, right, because um, I remember checking this out, it was probably this time last year, and I went into Twitter and I typed in accountant and stuff came up, and then I noticed the word boring accountant came up, but when you describe that Elizabeth right? the wild ride... You know, you know when it comes, you know, it comes and it goes. You don't know what's coming or what not. The various challenges, the different perspectives of the business owners you're working with sounds far from boring. Is that what you found in your? Oh program? yeah,
1: it's never boring. I've never been bored one day. <laughs> um, I might be tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it's a tired accountant as opposed to boring <laughs> accounting, but uh, but I suppose no. In terms of that journey, you did touch on some very interesting areas, um, and I guess from those challenges and perspectives, perspective, I want to dig into those a bit or deconstruct them a bit. I mean, what are the main perspective that the business owners you're working with are looking from professional accountants out there?
1: Well, I think they're really looking, and this is how you know I train a lot of young people that are just getting into the profession we take a lot of interns in and you know i really try to impress upon them really the value that they're looking for is really someone to listen to them and someone to help them plug the holes that they are not you know that are not their strengths most entrepreneurs like really excel at sales and business development and marketing and vision and ideas And a lot of times accounting or the financials or the numbers are not their strong suit. Although not the case across the board. I have some clients who are like so dialed into their numbers and like really enjoy that part of it. But I would say the majority of people that are successful are focused on what their strength is, and most of it is sales. So it really they're looking for somebody to kind of partner, not partner in the business, but partner with them to on the journey <laughs> and to help them make sure that they're kind of overseeing, making sure, you know, they can fund the payroll and that there is a profit at the end of the day. And so they're looking for that advice and then to, to kind of bounce ideas off of and then that Oversight part. Um, So are they excited about getting their tax return done? No. (laughs) Are they excited (laughs) about doing bookkeeping? No. (laughs) They're really excited about though if you can offer something that is going to impact them and impact their business positively. So and People are usually looking for some boundaries like what you know, what should I be doing? What is Okay, and it really on that business and that business owner and um, so it's very custom human contact I mean we can automate a lot of things and there's a lot of great apps out there and all these time savers and quick activities but it really comes down to human contact and understanding and having someone you know that you respect to put your voice in there. Actually
0: you know what? it was coming very evident when you were describing that uh, the the word automation didn't appear until you introduced it right at the end right and there's that so much out there at the moment about automating this and that I suppose ultimately these entrepreneurs these business owners aren't interested well how do you say it's wrong to say they're not interested in automation but it's not top of their agenda I guess you know um, it's that human side of things and you know being respected I suppose how do we become that respected partner, that financial mentor perhaps to the business owner?
1: I think by listening, number one, listening to what they're really saying and what they really want. And and, and it's a skill to listen um, carefully and to pick up on little innuendos and to read into the email. Um, and I think, you know, I, I work with a lot of millennials and right now text and anything that you have to do to not like personally see someone or talk to someone it's like preferred Um, but I'm like so I used to say well contact them call them and they would email so now I say like dial like dial a telephone number Um, and that means you have to call them because Really, that verbal contact is absolutely critical. And you need to hear what they're saying to you and ask lots of questions. And then I think that you can help them. Um, Because you can offer solutions or advice that meets what they're actually looking for. Because a lot of people ask you questions and they don't, those aren't even really the questions that they're concerned about. So you have to keep digging deeper.
0: Yeah. if someone said it to me lately it's like it's very easy for us to make an assumption that people know what they want Uh so that digging deeper like if you got any sort of maybe examples or or, or favorite questions or ways that you go and do that you could maybe share with our audience
1: well usually people come in i would say 90 percent of my clients come in and they say oh yeah i have no receivables problem or yesterday i was in a meeting with a client and he was saying um yeah I, i have." About 11 employees and they're all paid, you know, the highest person is paid 58,000. So if you, let's say, they range in from 40 to 58,000 in the 11 employees, so let's say the high range. So let's say it's about 600 grand he's paying in wages, but you know, you look at his financials and actually he's paying 780,000 in wages. So he really doesn't know, what he's paying, but you know, you get an idea in your head. And so, you know, someone needs to be there to say, well, maybe the profit isn't as much because if you're operating with the vision that you're only paying 600, but you're actually paying 780, maybe that's why your business isn't netting the 180 difference that it should be because you have this preconceived notion that that's what you're paying. And just bringing people back, like people get ideas in their head and maybe they were even correct, but things have shifted or changed in their business.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, look, when, when they're in there day in, day out and everything's whirling around them, like their nose is really up against it. How are they going to know that they're looking at a masterpiece unless they step back a bit? And I think that's where we can help them, right? right. As, as finance professionals, you know. it's. A, I um. So I really appreciate you sharing that example, Elizabeth. And there was one other thing before we move on I wanted to pick on that. I was really impressed you used, used the word solution because I find, I mean, when I was in public accounting, it was very transactional work. You'd go do an audit do a tax return end of year return that was it right then you'd leave like like how do you how do you adopt this solution mindset because for me that just seems much more sustainable but like how have you figured that figured it out and got to the solution mindset
1: you know i think i just have honestly i've been asked this before about how why um And I guess because I've always wanted to prove my value in public accounting, it comes from a point of, you know, before when I first started, everything was time and billing, right? So you pay by the hour and if it you know, if it takes you a hundred hours, then there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations that happen with clients. <laughs> you know, um, and so when I started my firm in 2004, I was like, "We're going to do this differently. We are going to prove our value to our clients because I have ideas, and I think those ideas, if they pan out, we can show that hey, quantitatively, yes, maybe you paid us ten thousand, but." With the ideas that we had, we saved you 20,000. So you like actually doubled your money on our fee. So I've always been interested in business and always grew up in it. And I've loved working with businesses all the time since I was very young. um, My dad owned his own business. It was a restaurant, you know, and I love, you know, people and customer service. But I also um, really enjoy finding, you know, troubleshooting or finding solutions to problems. So like if someone, almost every client that walks in the door, a new prospect, they have a reason they're here and it's usually um, because there's a problem somewhere. So they either feel very uneasy or they've been embezzled from or they owe a lot of taxes or they were blindsided by the fact that their line of credit is Maxed out, um, some problem is initiated. So, finding a solution to that problem and then maintaining, you know, uh, or creating a system to solve the problem and then maintaining that system is really how I approach it. So, we really don't do a lot of transactional only work. We only work with clients where we actually are having some meaningful solution. Otherwise, it's very boring. <laughs> Going back to your boring comment, it gets very boring to transact all day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and I, I hope, I hope um, our, some of our listeners can relate to this. And I, the thing that really impressed me there, Elizabeth, was, you know, the way you were able to capture the value for your client and then put that back in a conversation to them, so that they were aware of it. You know, and that in effect, you in effect double uh-huh. their money or gave them twice, twice back what they, they, they had and they communicated. I, I think that's something whether we're accountants in public practice or we're working with in finance teams and organizations, we need to do more of this. We need to write down the value or capture the value we're, we're delivering and communicate it. Back to back to the clients or the organisations we're working with, because um, you know if we don't do that, they won't know, and they probably won't think of us in future when it comes to more problems to be solved. You know, you know that's the fun bit of the job. It's a troubleshooting. It's a problem solving. It's those. Uh, it's the non routine stuff. You know, um, so look, I love I love yeah. that journey you took us on there, Elizabeth. Really appreciated that. Um, I suppose I'd love to get to maybe what's exciting you most about your current work. So I guess, um, yeah, what, what's exciting you most at, at the moment?
1: Well, um, this book has been a very exciting journey. I, I've enjoyed writing it and I'm hoping to work on um, getting it out there. Um, so that's a big initiative I have as far as in the field. I'm super excited about the new tax law and the opportunity zones. So, working a lot with clients and creating an opportunity zone fund um, to invest in, in Arizona and some of the opportunity zones here. Uh, great tax law, um, best tax law I've ever seen as far as sheltering capital gains. So, I'm very excited about that. And then, continuing to uh, we really work with a lot of new apps and, that come to market and just employing to help our business owners automate some of their processes. So we're working on um, quite a few new apps and new systems for our clients to help them dial in further since it's such a cutthroat market out there price-wise.
0: Oh, yeah. And like, I, I suppose I wouldn't be as familiar with those apps in some of our audience as well. Like what, what sort of apps are getting your attention at the moment that, that would help well, the Well, we're using a lot
1: of, um, we use almost all cloud-based online accounting systems. So we're a big fan of QBO and Xero. Um, we use a lot of Receipt Bank, Bill.com. Um, we use uh, T Sheets for time tracking, Uh, Paylocity for payroll, Gusto we love for payroll, we're using um, Process Street is one of my favorites that is um, time tracking uh, or process tracking, so automating your processes and providing checklists. So we're doing that a lot with our clients right now, Um, just helping them document their accounting process. And also other processes that they have within their business and getting their teams to use that to make sure that they're consistently delivering quality you know fulfillment to their customers
0: it must be it must be weird in a way because like i suppose when you started out in practice would you have thought you would have been using all these apps i mean no. must be nearly 10 no. there i mean wow no. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, I, I, I like um, where'd you get where'd you get the time to, to keep on top of all of these things there's a lot there there is
1: i love technology though i mean i have every gadget i just got today's actually my birthday and my kids got me my new samsung watch that i've been wanting um so i was pretty excited about that i love technology love computers and any new things that come out. So I guess it's mainly driven by my interest and my interest in like getting the routine, mundane, transactional stuff as automated as possible. So I can focus on strategy and solution based consulting rather than, you know, um, entering data.
0: I think I think that that's where it's got to go for us if we want to be involved in the solutioning and the more uh, fun aspects of of the work and the ones that actually contributes the most value to the clients it's not the data entry it's not the the bog standard work it's actually the higher value helping them figure out where things are going in their businesses and so on they, 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 we have to do this and actually I I yeah. know you skimmed over it but I really want to uh, to focus in and I love the title of your book Protect Your Profit uh-huh. so one I, you know I, I've, I've written a book as well there's a lot of work goes into it but um, I mean I suppose one like why Why the book? Why now? And why did you feel it had to be about protecting your profit?
1: Well, I just feel like there's so many issues right now with, um, you know, everyone's driving those top line sales. It's in the news media all the time. You know, um, the big companies, Facebook, Google, all these things, all these software and tech driven companies that are like driving revenue. They have no profits yet, but they're going to be hitting, IPOs and getting money from different sources and eventually prove out their models and become profitable someday, but for most business entrepreneurs, that's not an option. They don't have, you know, they're not going to be IPO or they're not, their idea isn't, you know, they don't have the funding to be able to take those kind of risks. So to sustain their businesses, they need to have profits. And so, so many business owners get so caught up in driving revenue that they're forgetting about their profit or, you know, uh, their cash flow and their borrowing money and doing all these other things. And at the end of the day, maybe they don't have anything and they've worked their ass off, you know? So uh, you, it was important to me because I'm very passionate about it and having a profit and then all the different ways that maybe you can create profit when you didn't have it before. So tax saving strategies. Do you have the right entity structure? Do you have a good process in place so that people are not? Do you you know? Do you understand like what it takes to fulfill a sale to a customer and how how can you know how that cost directly affects your profit? So. Um, I spend a lot of time with people consulting on that and I just was very passionate about it and why it's important to have a good system because people get caught up in you know, accounting. They don't want to put any money into it. They don't want to, um, you know, it's just kind of there. It doesn't really matter. I log into my bank every day and I see money there, but if the money is coming from debt, then you really don't have a profit that you're, that's not available
0: cash no way no, i mean it's great it's great that that you're so passionate about it elizabeth i mean it it does it does frustrate me a little bit sometimes that uh companies and, and even it doesn't matter small or large they don't look at the accounting or the finance team or, or systems as an asset i mean the amount of useful insight that could be gained if it was invested in nurtured or what like it, you know it could unlock so much value or just the basic function protect your profit. I mean, it's
1: yeah, so getting that profit and showing them, I guess, showing them how they can get it or what could be tweaked to create it and protecting it against you know all these other things, or maybe you're you know from mainly we come at it a lot from a tax perspective, obviously, because sometimes you just need to do something a little differently and you could have. You know, twenty percent more
0: at the bottom line. Definitely, it's it's again, again, it's just not um how do you, just not assuming that they they know what they need to know. It's it's that's why that's why I view what we do as as, a, as an asset to the business. Um, and income follows assets, right? So it's a better asset, better income should flow. So look, I really appreciate you taking us through that, Elizabeth. I want to be respectful of your time. So uh, you've given us loads of great advice there. What's been the best bit of advice you've ever received?
1: I would say the best that I've received is do what you love and the money will follow. So I, I, I tell, you know, we have bonus systems here at ECPA and all this other stuff. And I just had a conversation recently with one of my team members and I said, you know, you really can't focus on how much that client is bringing in. I mean, obviously you have to be aware of it as a business, but you have to really focus on the client first and doing the right thing. and then. You know, you will financially benefit from it if you're doing the right thing. So I think doing the right thing first, and then focusing on what what doing that right thing can bring to you is is important. You can't focus always on the money for if you really truly want to be successful in business.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just say it, it feels like it, it burns out very quickly if it's all money focused. There's going to be tough times, whether in business or career. And to sustain you have to be doing what you love. Uh otherwise, you know, burnout. And we do hear an awful lot about that.
1: Yes, because you're not working in conflict with your self. <laughs>
0: It's. I know. Yeah. It's, I, it's. Probably some of our younger listeners won't really understand that until they get a bit older. I suppose, but having lived through it, probably you have as well, Elizabeth. You know, it's like you, you'll figure out figure out what you enjoy doing faster, and then you will have a much more fun and rewarding career. And it doesn't necessarily have to be financial. Yeah. Although generally it will work out that way if you love what you're doing and you're really good at it, then there are financial rewards. Generally speaking, so um, so that's a great bit of advice for us. And I, I suppose in terms of you know, are there any resources you turn to that you find useful that you could perhaps share with our audience, Elizabeth? Well,
1: I really, a lot. um, I'm a member of the entrepreneurs organization and EO. And that has been an awesome experience for me. Um, They have great speakers that come in and a lot of, um, a lot of learning. Um, And I really enjoy the, um, I love reading um, I think my one of my favorite uh, leadership books is Leadership and Self-Deception. Um, it's an awesome book uh, for anyone to read, actually. Um, so, yeah, those are a couple of my favorites.
0: What, what was that book, Elizabeth? Leadership, leadership and
1: Self-Deception.
0: Oh. And why, why did you – what drew you to that book, or why would you recommend that book? I hadn't heard of that one.
1: Yeah. Um, well, actually <laughs> – uh, my daughter, uh, really struggled as a teenager and I sent her away to a wilderness camp and as part of this whole program that we were involved with, um, it was weekly counseling, you know, I did over the phone while she was, you know, in this wilderness experience and, um, what this was a required book to read, and it's applied to so much of my life. Um, and it's kind of like it's kind of like working in unison with how you're feeling, but always thinking about the other person and how you can be a better person to that person. It, it and it just go, flows through a lot of life. So I just love you know you deceive yourself and you kind of come at the world from your perspective. And then just being open and not having expectations of others um really makes it a much more joyful journey i,
0: I just wish i had that advice when i left school <laughs> <laughs> so no, the one it sounds like a great recommendation i'm gonna to have to check that out yeah. so thank you thank you and I, you know um and if any of our listeners have have read that book, then uh, please, please let us know. Sounds like a fascinating book um, I should have read years ago. So thank you, Elizabeth. And I suppose in terms of our audience, if they sh- should try to continue the conversation and connect with, with you, where's, where's the best place to do that at?
1: Um, oh, well, we have our website, eecpa.com. So my email is Elizabeth at eecpa.com.
0: Fantastic, thank you very much, Elizabeth. And I suppose, terms of, you know, I've really appreciated our conversation, our time together. Would you have any maybe final parting thoughts for our audience?
1: Well, what I can say to others that the largest way to succeed in finance, accounting, the financial world is to follow up and follow through. You can follow up and follow through. You will be successful. You just have to be persistent.
0: I like that. I like that. It, 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 it goes very nice with not getting caught behind our desks. It's just keep following through, get up, get out there, follow through. I love that. What a great way to end. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your explaining your wild ride to us, taking us through that journey in accounting and in finance. Um, I love, I love the way you, you sort of got so passionate about the challenges that entrepreneurs and business owners were facing. I I can see why your clients love working with you. And, um, you know, also happy birthday as well. I I wasn't aware of that. Um, And now I saw that watch. I'm going to have to get one for my wife. It looks amazing. (laughs) So uh, for those that are listening and you can't see that, but it was a really cracking, cracking watch. And um, yeah, uh, thanks for investing your time with us today on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So there you have it.